Man, okay, let's get right into it. We've got lots to cover tonight, and we're going to move quickly. Um, <clears throat> Genesis one twenty six. I want you to get ready if you have a Bible or get your, uh, your device ready if you're going to look it up online. Uh, otherwise, it's going to be on the screen. But Adam was never meant. Adam, we're talking about Adam. He was never meant to be too far from the garden. Matter of fact, we said that God put the Garden of Eden inside of Adam, so he took it wherever he went. By that, I mean that God put the recreative, recreative ability inside of him just like he did in us so that wherever we're at, no matter where we're at, we can represent him well and have heaven on earth. That doesn't mean that everything's perfect because even in heaven, the Bible says that there was war in heaven and there was a split in heaven. And so we know that not everything goes to plan, uh, but God's still in charge. Amen, somebody. And everything's going to turn out just right. So Adam had the ability to recreate. God gave us the same ability. We find that in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. When he said our, he's talking about Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. How many believe in the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost? How many understand that it's not three gods? That's not three gods. That's one God. Come on. With three different functions, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. So God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion. Now, this is kind of deep. Um, so write things down. If you don't remember things, go to the podcast afterwards and, and, and just get a pen and paper. But we're going to become students of the Word of God. Amen. This stuff is powerful. This stuff will change your life in the, in the course of your life. He said, let, let them have dominion. Everybody say dominion. Over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over everything that creeps upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Ladies, you got some authority too. Come on, ladies. Say, so we're not just men. The men only. It's all of us together. Amen. We need each other. And then it says, then God blessed them. He blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Excuse me. Fill the earth. And subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth. So God blesses them. I'll, I'll tell you what that means in just a moment. He blesses them, and then he gives them an assignment. So evidently, we need God's blessing to carry out the assignments that he gives us. Okay? So what is the blessing? We found out the blessing is the covenant of God that overrides the curse in the earth. And everywhere we go, we're operating in the curse to be in the curse means that we work in toil, uh, hard toil, with very little results. I'm like you. You're like me probably in the sense that if I'm going to work hard, come on. I want to get paid for what I work for. I want to have results. I want to see some success out of what I do. Curse keeps you from success, keeps you from results. So we need the blessing to override that. Also, the blessing is the anointing of God through which divine favor flows. The anointing destroys the yoke, removes the burden. Amen? And so divine favor now flows into your life through that blessing. And the third thing we said is that the blessing is the power of God to produce. Everybody say produce. But it also means to reproduce. So we need the blessing. Here's the good news. When you got born again, Jesus Christ became, I'm, I'm just backtracking for just a moment to catch us all up. When you got born again, Jesus became the Lord of your life. He now lives inside of you. 
Now you have been blessed, not just with a natural blessing that you got in Abraham, but now he ties the two together, the natural and the spiritual through Jesus Christ. And so we've been blessed in both worlds, natural and spiritual, and they reside in us. But we said it takes faith in order for that thing to be empowered. That's why you can be saved your whole life and still operate in the curse. And I'm trying to get Christians out of that kind of lifestyle because it's been too tough for you, too hard for you. we got to get the blessing flowing in your life. By the way, the, the, the blessing, this blessing we're talking about is, is, is not something you can earn. It's something that you receive. Can't pay for it, but you certain enough can receive it. Let's look at Luke chapter 15, verse 11. Then he said, Jesus gives a parable. A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood, and not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his inheritance, his possessions, with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would have gladly filled his stomachs with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. He broke. He spent everything. It's gone. All of his father's uh, uh, wealth and inheritance. But when he came to himself, he has a revelation. He said to himself, um, how my, many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to, and, and to spare, but I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you and am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. I love this story because as soon as the father saw the son, that was all the further the, father, the son had to go. As soon as the son saw the father and father saw the son, the father takes after this, off after the son and goes and hugs him and embraces him and brings him in again. And he says this, he says, Father, I've sinned against heaven and your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us be merry, eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and, and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And it goes on and talks about how the son, the other son came back and didn't understand that. But he said, look, this son of your, this son of mine and brother of yours was not, was dead and now he's alive. So we have to celebrate over what has been given back to us. Now, that's important because everybody say receive. We've got to learn to receive. He did receive the inheritance, but he also had to receive the father's love to come back into graces with the father in order to receive the inheritance once again. I just want to reiterate this because it's so important because when it comes to righteousness, I don't earn it. I can't earn goodness with God. I can't earn being right with God. All my good works are good intentions. We should do good. We should try to do better all the time. But I know I'm going to mess up. By tomorrow morning, by tonight, I'll mess up. And so will you, right? So I learned right away that it's not my righteousness, it's his righteousness. He imputes that to me so that his righteousness is better than mine. And I can find myself in better graces with the Father if I'll just turn and repent. If I'll just turn and repent, why would we live in the same lifestyle we've been living when we know it's wrong, taking us to hell and keeping us out of God's blessing? Is this okay tonight? Okay, so I want to teach this, not preach this, but look at Mark chapter 10, verse 46. Now they came to Jericho, 
as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. And when he had heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then many warned him to be quiet, but he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And then they called the blind man, saying to him, Be of good cheer, rise. He is calling you. Jesus is calling him. And throwing aside his garment, he arose and came to Jesus. So Jesus answered and said to him, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, Rabboni, that I may receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, Go your way. Your, your, what? Your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. Again, my inheritance, my being in good graces with the Almighty, which means being in good favor with God, to receive his inheritance, to receive the fatted calf, to be able to be, uh, to be celebrated by the Father, is not his on how well I do. That takes the load off of me. I recognize I need forgiveness of my sin, but it's not hinged by that. It's hinged on what I can believe. That's why you see knuckleheads who hardly serve God get all kinds of breakthroughs. You think, how's that happen? I go to church five times a week. I'm on my knees before God until I wear my jeans out. I mean, Lord, I fast and pray and I do all this stuff and I give and give and give. Ain't no breakthrough. It might not be an issue of your works. It's an issue of what you believe. Do you have faith to believe? I'm preaching better than y'all shouting tonight. Is this right or not? It comes down to what I believe, all right? Let me ask you a question. What the blind man, uh, was the blind man touched because he paid for it? Did he have any money, credit card? Did he give to the ministry? None of that. He received it by faith. By faith, you have been made well, Jesus said. Ephesians 2.8, for by grace, you've been saved. What's that say up there? Through and that not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. My salvation is not hinged on my good works or my good looks. It's hinged on my faith. I believe that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by him and him alone. He died for my sin. And God raised him from the dead. How about Deuteronomy 6.10? So it shall be that when the Lord your God brings you into the land of which he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you large and beautiful cities, which you didn't build. We're talking about promises that are impossible, man. What kind of promises did God give you for 2019? Impossible. Houses full of all good things, which you didn't fill. Hewn out wells, which you did not dig. By the way, this verse of Scripture is what we, we prophesied and confessed as a small church looking for a building way back in the day. Vineyards and olive trees, which you did not plant, 
When you have eaten and are full. Come on, somebody. When you have eaten and are full. When you have eaten and are, if you ain't been satisfied yet, there's more to eat. God's got more plans for you, more strategy for you, more dream and vision for you. I mean, you know, this build, they built this building. Marcus Theater built this building for the Lord Jesus Christ back in 1971. Didn't even know they were doing it. We had to watch Jaws 1, Jaws 2, Jaws 3, Jaws 18, Porky's. Come on, somebody. I can't think right now. I always come up with those silly ones. Amen. Star Wars, all of them, right? Before we got the faith builders. But we're here now, praise God. So cities, lands, houses, contracts, jobs. Not based on my knowledge, my wisdom, not based on how my, uh, my demeanor, not based on my, my credentials, not based on my IQ or my bank account. Based on my faith. When we cannot receive our inheritance under the blessing in a state of unworthiness. Y'all need to catch that. I said, y'all need to catch that. What did the prodigal son say? He said, I am not worthy to be in your house or under your house or under your leadership. And I am not worthy to be your son, but make me like one of your hired hands. And the father, in the most beautiful way, rebuked him. You are my son, and nothing will ever change that. You are my child. And then you may not feel worthy. You must get rid of your feelings because you are worthy because Jesus made you worthy and you couldn't do it for yourself. And when, you're, when you have feelings of unworthiness, you never receive God's blessed or best. Church, there's no way we can walk in this kind of authority if we have a sense of guilt or shame or condemnation, or unworthiness. Romans 8, 1 says, there is therefore now no condemnation. Woo. Now all the, all the, all the sinners now go, praise God. I've been quoting that for years. That don't give you carte blanche to go do what you want to do. I, God forbid. Bible says God forbid. Not in case, grace isn't the occasion to sin. <laughs> I don't want to get off on this too. I want, I want to teach. I'm a teacher tonight. And you know, I've been preaching the whole time. I'm a teacher tonight. I just want to say this. Grace, when you don't know what it really is, and you believe what you think it is, based upon your feelings and your emotions, it'll take you to hell. I said it. I had to say it. Grace isn't for that. Grace is the kind of grace God talks about is the grace that keeps you from sinning. So we got a bunch of Christians out there that want to live like the world, do like the world, and know they're not living the right way and go, I just claim Romans 8.1. That is dangerous. I'm talking about us who are in the struggle that say, you know, I love him, but sometimes I do screw up, and sometimes it's several days in a row, but I'm getting back up because his word says, therefore, there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, and he is my Lord, and he is my Savior. I didn't wake up this morning and go, I can't wait to sin today. Amen, somebody. 
who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. The Bible says you have been made. Everybody say made. You have been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Didn't earn it. Didn't qualify for it. You were made, which means to be fashioned into. Most people need to feel okay with God before they'll believe that he'll answer their prayer or that he'll bless their life. They want that feeling like I did enough, uh, I've said enough prayer today. I was an hour in prayer. I said, I read three chapters today and I gave last week for the first time in church. Hallelujah. And so now I'm believing God. No, that's all things you're supposed to do anyways. That's not being, that's not what we're talking about. It's not a feeling. Righteousness is not hinged on what I've done or what I feel, but on what he has done. Get that in your spirit. There's a difference between sin consciousness and saved consciousness. Sin consciousness reminds me every day, I'm just a low life, a sinner, a worm, I'm a jerk, I'm an idiot, I'm no good. God, I don't know how you could ever use somebody like me. Watch it. You already know that, that stuff. Sin is already there, a part of your world. But don't say it like it's a part of who you are because God made you different. But I, I try to repent all the time. Good. The fact that you repent lets me know you're living for God. Otherwise, you, did you, before you came to Jesus, did you ever wake up and go, Jesus, forgive me? You wouldn't think about it. You just sin like everybody else did, right? But now it's not a sin consciousness that I have. It's a saved consciousness. The Bible says, awake to righteousness. And sin not. So the more that I get righteous conscious and saved conscious, the more I don't want to sin. I don't want to disappoint God. I don't want to keep doing this in my life and dragging myself down. All right, Isaiah 32, 17. The work of righteousness will be peace. So how do I know I'm walking in righteousness? When there's peace in my life. And the effect of righteousness is this. Quietness and assurance forever. What does that mean? Drama leaves my life. Because I'm not, again, I'm not trying to earn nothing. I'm receiving by faith what Jesus did for me and saying that's enough. I receive it. And it says it's quietness and assurance. And the word assurance actually means confidence. Everybody say confidence. It's time we, as the people of God, start walking in some confidence. You know, when you go get that promotion, go into that room with some confidence. What if they tell me I can't get it? So what? God will give it to you through some other way, some other means. Don't worry about it. But you walk in there with your head high and walk in some confidence because he's walking in there with you. Amen. 1 John 5, 14. Now this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, which is his word, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we've asked of him. So when we go before God, if we go before God with a sense of unworthiness, guilt, shame, and condemnation, we spend an hour before God going, Jesus, forgive me. I'm a lowlife. I screwed up again. There we, oops, there we go again. And now all we're doing is confessing our sin before God. When I wake up for the Lord, I say, Lord, I want to thank you today that all my sin has been covered by the blood of Jesus. Because I did so much of it, I can't even remember all of it. 
and I'm going to do more of it in the future, Lord. I'm so sorry. Forgive me. Now let me concentrate on what? On what God wants me to lift up before his throne. Right? I'm confident. Not cocky. Not arrogant. Humble by the fact that the God of heaven would lend his ear to me and hear what I've got to say and work with me every day of my life. Are y'all flowing with me so far? I don't go to God prideful. I humble myself before God. Absolutely. But I have a confidence that I know that when I pray, he hears me. Let me tell you what else. I'm confident. I know that when I ask God to forgive me, he does it. And he will not bring it up again unless I do. Did y'all catch that? Now, look at John chapter 11. I'll give you a scripture tonight, y'all. This is, this is Bible study 101 tonight. John 11, verse 39, and, and, and here's the example of this. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by now, uh, by this time, uh, there is a stench, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you heard me. You have heard me. Jesus was confident that God was listening. And I know that you always hear me. He's our example, church. He taught us to pray. But because of the people who were standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. When you pray, our God hears you because of our righteousness that he made us. Daniel prayed. 21 days later, his miracle came, but he didn't stop praying. He prayed with what? confidence knowing that the God of heaven was going to answer his prayer he didn't know the day he didn't know the hour he didn't know how but he knew God would do it and God did it supernaturally second Kings 19 verse 5 church by the way um, we're used to feeling something we're conditioned to feel we're conditioned to be sad or mad or glad or unhappy look what it says here so the servant of King Hezekiah came to Isaiah and Isaiah said to them thus you shall say to your master thus says the Lord do not be afraid of the words which you have heard with which the servants of the king of Assyria have blasphemed me. Surely I will send a spirit upon him and he shall hear a rumor and return to his own land and I will cause him to fall by the sword in his own land. And Hezekiah received the letter from the hand of the messenger, messengers and read it and Hezekiah went up to the house of the Lord and he what? He spread, come on, he spread it before the Lord. What did he spread before the Lord? He spread the word that God gave him before the Lord. This is how we move into another degree of confidence. When we don't know what to pray for, come on, there's two levels we go to. Number one, we always first go to the Word of God. The second part, which we're talking about another time, is our prayer language. We don't want to pray for as we ought. We pray in the Holy Ghost with utterance by the Spirit of God. But before we do that, we should pray in our own language concerning God's Word, which is God's will on the matter. It's his last will and testament on earth. Come on, somebody. Of which he empowered for his people to carry out. So when he spread that before God, Hezekiah, by the way, we don't have time to read the whole story, got a breakthrough and God spared his life for many years to come. As a result, he took God's word, he spread it before the Lord. What was he doing? He was doing what Isaiah said to do. Put God in remembrance of his word. When's the last time? You got before God with your Bible. Yeah. 
I'm thinking about having a bring your Bible to church Sunday. And some of y'all going to go Bible. You're going to. I got to go to Amazon. I haven't had a real Bible in a long time. We you you just need old school. You smell it. It's got leather, weird smell to it. And it's a book, you know, and then you take and you open and, you, and the pages is, and you write on it and you turn and you, it's a, called a book. And, and, um, and you get into it, right? There's something about your Bible. And you take that thing, you spread it out before the Lord and say, Lord, here's the scriptures. I am claiming, I'm living contrary to this. My life is not adding up to what your word says. And therefore, Lord God, I'm not going by what I feel because I'm conditioned to do what things that I feel. And I want to quit, but I'm not going to quit because your word says thus and thus. And you speak it to God. What are you doing? He said, as you have spoken into my hearing, so shall I do unto you. His word, church, is his highest authority on planet earth. Until the Bible says he placed his word above his very name. I don't know what to do. You lie, you fry. You have got so many tools at your disposal with your Bible and concordances and Google. You can look stuff up so fast and study and get into the Word of God. Look up a subject and get in there and study that thing and, and show yourself approved and quit being so doggone lazy. My visitor is going, I will not be back next week. I'm used to it. I, I got to be, I got to teach the word the way I see it. The blessing has to be received spiritually. Why? Because Jesus said flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. This blessing I'm talking about keeps the earth functioning the way that it should. Keeps you and I functioning the way that it should. It's the beneficial endowment of God to produce well-being in every area of Life. Look over at John, the Gospel of John, chapter 20. They're going to put up the screens. Verse 19. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled, for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. So Jesus just appears in the room, y'all. He's already been dead, resurrected, and he's walking the earth, and he shows up in this meeting. Then disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. They were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. So Thomas called the, the twin. One of the twelve was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, we have seen the Lord. In other words, where you been, bro? So he said to them, unless I see, I'm not going to say I see. I'm glad you guys did, but until I see it. And I put my hands and the nail prints in his hands and my finger in the prints of his nails and put my hand into his side. I will not have faith. And eight days, after eight days, the disciples were again inside and Thomas with them and Jesus came, the doors being shut and stood in the midst of them. He walked right through the door, y'all, and said, peace to you. Then he said, Thomas, reach your finger here. And look at my hands and reach your hand here and put it into my side. 
do not be unbelieving, but believing. By the way, the Lord still bears the scars of the sin that was heaped upon him on the cross of Calvary. When we see him, we will see the scars in his glorified body. That's proof right there. We will see it. And Jesus said, he said, he said, he said, my Lord, my God. And Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you had faith. Blessed are those who have not seen, and yet they have faith. What do you say? Blessed. Empowered are they with the covenant of divine intervention and divine flow and prosperity in their life. Blessed are those who have not seen but still have the faith to hold on. Notice that they got glad when they could feel him. When he walked in the room and they could see him, the depression left him. But he said, I won't be with you forever. But I'm going to send another a comforter. You're not going to see him. But now he's not going to be outside. He's going to be in you. And whatever he's, what I have spoken and he has heard, he will say unto you. Amen. He said, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. So I don't need a Holy Ghost goose bump. Ooh, he's here. How do you know? Ooh, the little hairs in the back of my neck just stood up. And every time that happens, that's when Jesus showed. No. The air conditioning unit kicked on. Hit you in the back of your neck. Come on, somebody. You got some chill bumps. Am I right? What kind of foolishness is this? I don't need to feel a goosebump to know he's with me. He said he's with me. He'll never leave me. He'll never forsake me. So someday, when, days when I wake up and I don't feel saved, my thoughts ain't right. Already aggravated before my feet even hit the ground. I know you Holy Ghost people never experienced that before because you're so wonderful and you're so pure and perfect. I'm just talking to five of us tonight. Amen. The people who tell the truth. <laughs> and you just go, I just got to make it to the coffee maker. Make it to the coffee maker. Make it. Right? Uh, you don't even feel right. I don't go by my feelings. I'm a blood-bought child of God. Whether I get a goosebump. Whether I got the team following me, come on, somebody, or not, he is with me. Galatians um, 3, 13 says this, because the blessing is received by faith. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it's written, curse is everyone who hangs on a tree. Well, Jesus hung on the cross. That the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus. That we might receive the promise of the Spirit. How? Through faith. Remember Jesus comes and he bridges the promise of Abraham into the Gentiles. That's you and I. And the promise of his father into our life. How do you do that? We receive that by faith. What is the blessing of Abraham? Galatians 3.9 says, So then those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. We believe who he was. Look, look at um, Genesis chapter 9.1. So God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth. All right? So God then bless, blesses Noah as well. We see the blessing being passed down. Uh, even through Adam, even though he blew the plan, God's plan never changed for his people. 
He blew the plan for himself. God had an alternate plan that he was going to bring to the earth. I have so much more I want to share. That's why I'm kind of going fast tonight. I don't have time, but let me just paraphrase and just say, how about the Tower of Babel and how they said to themselves, let us build us a tower that reaches to the heavens. And God heard about it because angels were reporting. And God heard about it, and he said, we got to stop them because if they ever get unified, nothing will stop them. So there was technology four, six, five thousand years ago. Something was happening, some sort of technology to be able to reach the heavens. And, and so God said, that's, that's enough of that. And he stopped that. The Bible calls that, that that's the, the time of Babel. He, he confused all the languages because they believed the power of faith can even cause us to do things that God never even asked of us. That's the power of this thing. That's why mankind can still do great things in the earth without Jesus, but, but gives no glory to God, only glory to man. They did it how? By the, will of, by the will of faith in their life. All right? Genesis 12, 1. Now the Lord had said to Abram, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I'll show you, and I'll make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. Okay? So what's happening here? Well, notice that God said that he would make Abram a great nation. But with Babylon, I just talked about that story, but in Babylon, they said, let us make a great nation. <laughs> so that tells me I can live my whole life to build something great that I want. Rather, something great that God wants. That's why he said, in that day, you will say, Lord, Lord, did we not do all these mighty things in your name? He said, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you because we're doing it unto ourselves and not unto God. All success doesn't mean God's behind it. So why are you competing with other people that are doing things that you think are great may not be what God wants at all for them? Well, where's that in the Bible? It's all over the scriptures. It's all over the word of God. David wanted to build God a temple, and God said, you will not build me to, but I, wa I want to do it. It's from my heart. I know it's from your heart, but it's not for you to do. Your son will build me a temple. So just because you, you want to do it and you think it's a good thing to do doesn't make, make it a God thing. Amen, church. Is this, can I give you just a couple more minutes? I got five people. I'll do it for you. Hallelujah. Notice that God said that he would do it that way, but verse 3 says this. Uh, well, instead of going back, back to verse 3, let me just paraphrase. God wants to bless you so that you will be a blessing. Why does God want to bless you, empower you to prosper, to do well, to go over, and to arrive into your destination? Why does he want that to happen so that you can be a blessing to somebody else? I am so tired of my heart being broken because I want to do so much more for people. And I can't because I'm limited by what I can, my supply. I know you feel the same way. We've got to get that curse off our lives. We've already been blessed. We just got to start walking by faith, guys. I, I, I'm going to make a prediction. I think it's by faith tonight, and I believe it's the Lord. That there are going to be many people by the end of this year, you're going to shock me. I'm, I'm going to be shocked about what you do. And they're going to come to me and say, I'm going to do this this year. And I'm going to go, oh, no. Oh, Jesus. I think I, I think I just went too far in the message. They just went a little crazy. 
But did, I have found that I've watched people tell me crazy things. And, I, and then I get in the flesh like everybody else. I'm preaching. I'm anointed now. I believe it. But I walk away. I go, ah, be careful. You know, I get, be careful. Don't go crazy now. Take one step at a time. And I've watched those same people do it for God. And within 10, 12 months, their whole life has changed. Sometimes you just got to get radical, man. Did you all enjoy the word tonight?